0: welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Greg LaRue, founder of Retirement Optimizer. Retirement Optimizer is a Canadian software that, big surprise, optimizes for your retirement, specifically around strategies on drawing down your assets over time to, uh, to ensure that you successfully make it to the finish line. And with that, here's my interview with Greg. Greg, thanks for taking the time. <laughs> thanks a lot for meeting with me, Jason. So Greg LaRue of Retirement Optimizer, tell us about Retirement Optimizer. Oh, I'd I'd be happy to. So
1: the easiest way to think of retirement optimizer is to think of, if if anyone's familiar with existing financial planning software, you enter a series of inputs regarding uh, your assets, your spending expectations, what you want your retirement to look like, and what you have to fund that. Uh, The difference that we have is that we apply an optimization engine to the decumulation side of things. Traditionally people will withdraw money in retirement in in a sort of siloed way. So they'll use a rigid algorithm of, I want to use these assets first. Usually it will be non-registered assets, then they'll use registered assets, then they'll use their TFSA last. And sometimes this traditional approach completely leaves out that people have significant assets in real estate or... They might have corporate accounts. There are lots of different ways to look at this. Uh, It might be the case that they've got trusts, big cash inflows coming in from an inheritance or stuff like that. So it turns out that the traditional rule of thumb approach to withdrawing money in retirement won't necessarily maximize your net estate value. And that's what we're really trying to do. Our objective function in the optimization is to maximize your net estate value at the end of your retirement. The reason for this is because if it turns out that you outlive your projected retirement, this is the most tax-efficient money that you're going to have access to in order to fund long-term care if that's what you need, in order to fund mm-hmm. your lifestyle if you're still independent, and
0: in order to leave behind the most money to your heirs if that's what you're looking to do. Yeah, and as for rule of thumb, rules of thumb, those who've seen me lose it on the concept of the 4% rule and, you know, my many various Memes I've developed on Twitter attacking the ridiculousness of a concept of some some golden rule number. Know that at the end of the day, rules of thumb just are a foolish way to try to handle this. At the end of the day, we, like everybody's everybody's different. Every situation is different. It doesn't take into account. things don't take into account proper taxation and and even the stuff you talked about, like what account is it held in? All this other stuff. Is it corporate or personal? So wherever possible, we need to abandon these things and look at things as a, how they actually apply to the individual case we're dealing with.
1: Well, you know what? It's really funny you mentioned that because that was, that was what I was about to say next in some discussions and in some demos, I guess, in front of clients, I will sometimes be asked, okay, so what's the answer? What's the secret sauce? What should you be doing instead of the rule of thumb? And the answer is that there is no answer. (laughs) that is a little bit like asking, okay, well, what's the best chess strategy? Uh, it sort of depends on where the pieces are already on the board. It depends on your opponent. It depends on lots of things. And that's why when it comes to decumulation in retirements or in a game of chess, computers generally
0: beat people. Actually, that's no longer true that they generally beat people. They always beat people. Yep. Sorry. you get cut off? The, I thought you were trying to finish your point there. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll oh no, no. <laughs> no, no. They always beat people. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. They absolutely do. And the reality is, is that so again, go speaks to let's look at the individual situation. And when you when you basically consider how many variables are actually involved in the situation here. So just off the top of my head, okay. Rates of return per asset class, allocations that you would use in different accounts, or if you're using the same one in all of them, it makes it easier. Number of different accounts that you have them in. And the t- taxable nature of each of those accounts, the, or the taxable rules around them, the forced accumulation schedules around some of those accounts, the personal versus corporate ownership versus spousal ownership of those accounts, right? The number of pension dollars you have coming versus in, in, from different sources to either an individual or a spouse, the variability in the patterns of payment where some things start at certain ages, other ones don't. That also comes into play. Like the number of variables involved here is enormous. So to think that a human being is going to do this with a pencil and paper or even a spreadsheet correctly is pretty naive, right? As you said, the machine will beat the human in these cases, especially in complex cases of mathematics and all in this every time. Oh, I didn't even throw in volatility, right? You throw in volatility, that hour, now we've just, you know, em- degree the problem. Okay, so, so well, basically- Now, I just wanted to add one thing to that real quick, which was, uh, you can actually look at
1: it as even more complicated, because in any- situation you're setting up with a spreadsheet, you're going to be making assumptions about the future. And your assumptions are by nature going to be wrong. We don't know what inflation is going to be over the next 30 years, but I bet you it's not the same number each year. We don't know what your returns are going to look like, but they're, they're going to zig and zag and be volatile. So one of the advantages of using a computer is that you don't have to stick with one plan and one solution. You can put a variety of them in. You can stress test your future And you can look at making changes to your expectations that you can live with. So in some cases, it might be doing some consulting, having some taxable revenue for the first few years of quote unquote retirement. In some cases, it might be downsizing a piece of real estate. And when you get into those complexities and the different possibilities, the different decisions people can make, then it becomes really unrealistic for a human to be able to compute all that, even with a very advanced spreadsheet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So you have all that. All right. So that's the problem. We frame the problem now. Great. So talk to me about the origin of, of your company, about a retirement optimizer. What made you set about trying to fix this problem? Well, originally, this is uh, like many things in fintech. Uh, pivoting
1: from a different problem. Originally, we'd started with CRM2 Plus. That was a performance reporting company to comply with CRM2 requirements and allow people to look at their rates of return and benchmark them against common indices and stuff like that. Uh, but what ended up happening was some computing. Algorithms came about that made optimizing something like this feasible. For a long time, it was just too complex a problem to tackle with computers, or at least to tackle efficiently. Now, some American companies have done this for American taxes, and... They're very, very expensive because the compute computational resources required are just insane. But things have changed. And actually, uh, to, to give you an idea of some of the things that have changed, some of the algorithms are more capable. GPUs have gotten a lot better. Uh, but in addition to that, we don't have to blindly make assumptions. Machine learning and neural networks and AI have really really come a long way over the last bunch of years so now this becomes a solvable problem for a computer so originally we were partnered with a financial planning firm that just wanted wanted it done for their own accounts they uh they saw that i believe its navi plan had some optimization tools but you had to use the developer tools yourself they were super expensive and it was pretty involved so we were originally contracted to uh, build a suite of tools for them and then of course, once we actually had the solution working, they wanted to go into business with us and commercialize it more generally.
0: So that's how the product evolved. It was actually from a financial planner who needed this. So of course came from actual need. Okay, perfect. So you basically, that was the origin. Talk to me about how Besides technology aspects, what was your approach to this? Because there are a number of decumulation tools that exist on the marketplace today. There's one in Canada, at least I know There's one that I was interviewed from the UK. There's a couple in the US. They've each got their own approach. Everything from something as simple as bucketing, which is basically taking what you need for the next five years, putting that in cash, and then a lower risk for the next five years, and then higher risk thereafter, to basically using very advanced Monte Carlo simulations to basically, and I say very advanced because it goes beyond the normal Monte Carlo, to not only uh, figure out what the decumulation pattern should look like, but also, also, what the impact is if you fail to hit 100%. What was your specific approach that you decided to take?
1: Well, the specific approach we decided to take was to look at the assets that were most necessary if, if it does turn out that you outlive your retirement. So it's not one asset, it's not one asset class. It's the, it's the net estate value, effectively. So we decided that was going to be what we were maximizing through the objective function. And we were going to use some quadratic programming algorithms in order to maximize that. So Oftentimes that involves minimizing taxes. Sometimes actually it involves paying more tax earlier on, but minimizing deferred taxes later on and feeding in all of the different variables that actually come with a decumulation plan. So things like, I don't know if your listeners are all around the GTA, but around here, I would estimate that the majority of people who are entering retirements have real estate as a substantial fraction of their net worth, but they don't intend to live in the same house until... The end of their retirement, they intend to downsize at some point. So taking that into account has to be done. If you have a bunch of tax-free money flowing into your accounts from the sale of a primary residence, that changes the best withdrawal order prior to that the date of that sale.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. We're having this conversation in the fourth quarter of the year, and I'm having these conversations with clients right now about how their financial plans and their optimization plans have called for them to take money, say, out of their RSPs this year and they're like, well, I don't have to take it till sixty, until till seventy-one. Why would I take it this year and pay all that tax? And it's, you know, it's a lesson in less now, uh, more now means less later, and how basically taking. You know, I had a case just the other day where he retired last year and he's sixty years old, and it's like literally zero income. It's like, great. So you know that the first like fifteen thousand is tax free out of there, right? So we may as well do at least that, right? And you know, then it came a conversation about here's what happens if we leave it all until later. And here's what happens if we leave until now and showing the two scenarios we ran that basically showed that that was spreading that tax bill over time was a far more effective tool than just deferring, deferring, deferring. That said, that's only one tool. So you built this. This is no small. This is no small feat. So talk to me about how. Talk about the process of using your software. How much data do you need to actually start coming up with an answer to this? Oh, uh, can I can I just add something to that uh, real quick ahead of
1: time? Just uh, w- when it comes to the withdrawal of the RRSPs, uh, like we said, there's lots of variability in anyone's individual circumstances, but uh, it does appear that withdrawing from your RSPs earlier on might be a better strategy if you over withdraw and contribute to your TFSA and keep that right. topped up as long as possible. Yep. So there are many reasons why this can actually work out. Now, having said that uh, as well, I wouldn't actually expect anyone to just blindly follow what a computer tells them. So you can compare scenarios to continue. (laughs) No kidding. Well, so you can, of course, compare an optimized solution to something that rigidly follows a rule of thumb, or or you can even slice and dice it and and produce a plan, try and beat the computer effectively, and see if it actually works out that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So going back to it, uh, so absolutely true. Uh, let's go back to the question I asked about what's the what's the workflow on this look like? You know, how much data would they give you to actually start spinning something out? Oh, okay. So it depends on the complexity of the client accounts, but we're looking
1: at, if you're filling it out all in one page, around five minutes data input. So primarily we need the account values. In addition to that, it's uh, expected growth rate. We'll need to know the spending expectations, and spending expectations can be as simple or as complicated as you like them to be because you can break down your spending expectations into different categories or even different phases of retirement. So it depends on how detailed you want to get into that. You have to put in your inflation projections. and. Really, that's about as far as the inputs go to start producing something. I say to start producing something because from the actual usage cases we've seen, nobody ever stops there. (laughs) So once you actually have a plan, uh, that, that does tell you something interesting, but it doesn't tell you the whole story because, okay, computer says you have enough money to retire. It says that you might fall a little bit short if you were just using a bucket approach of withdrawing assets, but that might not be where you're content, you might want to stress test things. What if inflation's worse? What if your returns aren't as good? What if you don't sell the house? What if you want to stay into it? What if you don't want to do any consulting uh, and earn any taxable income into retirement? So the typical usage case actually involves spending a bunch more time once people start having fun with it and realizing, well, you know what? I would sleep better at night if I really stress
0: test this, (laughs) as opposed to just looking at, yep, well, I've got a plan and I'm happy with that. All right. So then talk to me about what uh, what the end outputs of your system are. So what are they receiving? Are they receiving a take this account for take this money from this account uh, per year kind of breakdown? Um, you know, they're getting a Monte Carlo score. What's the end state of this?
1: Oh, okay, excellent question. The end state of it is a report. So the there's there's effectively two end states of it. One is just a series of interactive graphs and tables on a computer screen. But many people who are retired don't want to be staring at computer screens. So you can produce a report out of this. One of the pages can just be a summary of current assets. This is what we think you need to do this year. This is what we think your net worth is going to be by the end of it. And here are some of your assumptions. Uh, But we can get into a lot more detail. So we can look at this is the deferred taxation projection over the course of your entire retirement. This is a comparison of two different scenarios. So this is if you're spending down all of your assets, and this is if you're trying to be conservative and leave behind a certain net worth at the end of it. So the report, it is designed to allow you to include or exclude any of the pieces of information regarding the decumulation plan, because some clients just don't care or just don't want to see it. Some of them need a lot more detail. In addition to all that, there is a spreadsheet with the entire tax model and the optimal values placed into it But if people do want to play around with it, that's an option as well. So they can see all of the calculations working in action. So bottom line is there's there's an audit trail, is what you're telling me. (laughs) Yes, exactly. There's an audit trail. Some people really, really need to see it. Some people don't care as much. So it is completely optional to include or exclude.
0: So bottom line is they receive a, at the end of the day, they receive a uh, basically a marching orders on how to how to go about it, as well as all the justification, as always. So good, uh, and then of course the, the stress testing part of it as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Now you, you did mention
1: uh, Monte Carlo scenarios, so I, I did want to include a little bit about that as well. These are some of the more advanced features, you might call them, where well, we know that we're not going to have linear growth rates there's going to be a standard deviation and it might be different for all the different accounts so it is absolutely possible to monte carlo test things by generating i don't know a thousand random returns based on you know the parameters that you've entered and seeing how frequently you have enough money to stay retired under those scenarios as well There's another analysis we can do, and I'm going to call it benchmark Monte Carlo. Not really Monte Carlo because it doesn't use a random number generator, but Mm -hmm. inherently people outside of the financial industry oftentimes don't like random numbers generated by a computer dictating their behavior. So another interesting thing to look at is, okay, well, if we took a look at real returns as far back as we have them, and that's uh, in, in a bunch of asset classes, is around the 1950s. And let's say your projected retirement is going to last 30 years. Well, there might be, you know, I don't know, I can't remember, I can't do the math in my head right now, 40 some odds, 30 year periods between when we have data and today, we can look at, okay, if you retired in 1950, would you have had enough money? How about 1951, 1952, and so on? And that way people get a real sense of, yeah, uh, certain asset classes can be down for one year, three years, five years. Yeah. And that can really change someone's confidence. Okay, well, based on historical returns, it looks like you're okay
0: or not. Absolutely. So basically utilizing historical data as a a primary source of uh, figuring that out makes perfect sense. All right. So at the end of the day, have you seen this used? Have you seen it like used in conjunction with the financial plan, with other standard financial planning softwares, or are you seeing it as a standalone? Oh, absolutely. So it depends on what people specifically are using it for.
1: Some of our end users, all they want is really simple analysis of give me some scenarios. Tell me if I have enough money to stay retired under all these scenarios, and that's pretty easy to compute. Some people want a really complex accumulation plan with a lot of points of comparison to different options. But in most of the cases, it's really specialized in accumulation. And as a result of that, it's not necessary to abandon existing software. So we don't work under a subscription model like many financial planning pieces of software. Uh, instead, okay. it's, it's on a pay-per-use basis. And that way, if someone, if someone has 100 clients, NaviPlan is is creating the model for their accumulation, but they have five clients who are decumulating. They can just build the reports for those five clients. They don't have to worry about having
0: a dozen subscriptions that they can't keep track of. And the credit card bill looks awful. (laughs) Stop, stop adding me. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, fair enough. So still pretty early at the game here. Where where do you see this going? Where do you think you're going to spend time developing um, this further? It's an interesting question. There's a few different things that we're working
1: on currently, one of which is just increasing the complexity of the tax model. So we do have uh, modeling for corporate accounts. So that's true for a lot of small business people. Some of the high net worth users have dual citizenship with the U.S. So it is important to look at the taxes that they owe there. And actually, it's really funny. The, uh, some people are unaware of this. If they were born in the U.S., they automatically have citizenship. They haven't renounced it yet. Uh, well, <laughs> that's something that has to be incorporated into the model unless you want to knock at the door from the IRS. I
0: mean, they ever actually do so, but...
1: Well, yes, you're right. You're right. It might never happen. So the future of this, what we really wanted to do was make it usable for someone who wasn't necessarily a financial planner. And no, Jason, we are not going after your job. I do not think that financial planners, human financial planners will ever be obsolete. But for some people who have simplistic cases, they just want to know a very, very constrained set of things. Uh, the inputs are designed to be just question and answer. Okay, this is going to take a little longer than five minutes to type out, but yeah, what is your RSP account worth right now? What's your rate of return you're expecting? And just having it hammered out simplistically like that can give people the answers they're looking for, uh, even if they don't want a ton of detail. So we're kind of going in two directions right now. One is to make it even more user-friendly for the individual who doesn't necessarily have a financial planner or wants an opinion from a piece of software in addition to the financial planning they're getting. But the other direction is to make it more complex for people who have really, really crazy systems of accounts that include money that's uh,
0: offshore or overseas or even down south. Uh, well, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Now you got to start worrying about other tax codes and withholding taxes and everything else. So that's that's a tall order, as, as much as it sounds relatively straightforward, <laughs> at least on this circuit. <laughs> well, so, no kidding. None of this awesome. is ever straightforward. It's never straightforward. All right. So uh, that's a good idea what we're doing. So before we uh, wrap up, there's always three questions I ask everybody on a positive note. First, one I, first question I have for you is, what's the if you had one wish for something to change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be?
1: Something to change in the company or the industry as a whole. That is a really interesting question. So Stumps everybody. Yeah, stumps everybody. Well, something, something I would change in the industry as a whole. I actually like the way the industry is evolving towards robo-advisors for people with simplistic cases that have low fees, but still having access to a financial planner when they actually really need one. Uh, But I think that uh, what I'd like to see the industry evolving towards is computational stuff being handled by computers and human interaction being handled by humans. And, And what I meant by I don't think your job is ever going away is that a lot of our clients have described their job over the last while as being more like a therapist than an MBA or a mathematician, meaning they get lots of calls and uh, they're talking people out of the crazy decisions that they would be making
0: left to their own devices. I hear so, you. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's it's right on par with everything that you said. Like it is, the, that is the evolution of it. I mean, the uh, CFP board just added uh, behavioral finance and uh, it'll, it'll probably continue to add more psychological aspects of uh, of money to their curriculum. And that's something that's going to happen in the U.S. That's happened in the U.S. Something that probably follow in other countries. And you're right. I mean, I've always said like, look, you know, technology is going to do all the heavy lifting. If you really like tinkering with numbers, well, you know, there's a limitation on that because the tinkering with numbers is better handled by a computer in the long run anyway. But the the human factor of all this as a, you know, said the you kind of hit upon it, I'm kind of a untrained therapist sometimes, unfortunately. <laughs> Trained by trial by fire, right? Unfortunately, yes. Doesn't mean I'm doing the right job. And it would be nice to have a little bit of <laughs> education in that, even though this is someone what I wanted my full-time job. All right. So that's one thing. Second one is basically, what's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is currently? Biggest challenge
1: in getting, getting the company to where it is currently, that is also a good question. I would say it's, uh, well... The labor markets in tech have tech has been a red hot industry for the last bunch of years. So effectively since we founded the company. And uh, it is really difficult, even for highly skilled, highly compensated people to resist the siren song of California. <laughs> so
0: oh my God, people who a, are not, you're not yeah, kidding. People him. who are
1: really, really What's high it? end developers in things like uh, optimization, machine learning, stuff like that. Uh, Well, (laughs) Tesla is knocking at their door. They're getting calls from Google and and Facebook and stuff like that. So I would just say attracting, retaining talent as long as possible. That's probably the biggest challenge.
0: All right. So it's absolutely a challenge because that comes up all the time. I mean, I've heard stories of people finishing boot camp, uh, coding boot camp and literally getting poached to meta. like. It's like you, you haven't even finished building your first product. What, what's going on? Yeah, this is where I, I've said it before in this podcast. This is where the the need for no code and low code products needs to it needs to take off because we're never going to fill the gap for like true hardcore down to code coders. It's just it, the demand is too too great. So all right, fair enough. And then the last question I have is, what keeps you going and gets you up in the morning to keep on fighting the good fight of uh, of building this business? What keeps me going is actually watching people and how the software
1: helps them, and I'll. <laughs> I'll use my parents as an example. They, they are two semi-retired engineers. They still do some consulting work and they are not heavily involved in the financial industry. So the things that have gone on the last few years really freak them out. The beginning of the pandemic, when the stock markets crashed, when things were locked down. And now that uh, we're worried about inflation in the future, what I really like to see is watching them play around with the software and realize that they can sleep easy. There maybe some minor changes to what their future plans were are going to keep them pretty secure in their retirement. Whereas if they didn't have access to any of this stuff, they'd just be super anxious all the time. So it's not just them. They're, they're just one example. But uh, seeing the actual benefits to people to have a computer tell them, hey, these are the changes you need to make. Things are not so bad
0: and you should be okay. Just <laughs> keep breathing Relax. Well, this is where planning. There's power in planning, right? I mean, any good financial plan is stress tested and uh, basically can help ease people to know that, hey, despite these market downturns, you know what? You're you're still on you're still on course with this plan. Well, I mean, assuming you're not very close to the edge, which is troubling. Anyway, so thank you so much for your time today, Greg. Very much appreciated. Well, thanks a lot, Jason. So that was Greg LaRue Retirement Optimizer. Hope you enjoyed that. And if you're in the market for a retirement optimization software, go give them a look. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.